0: This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining us on the phone today is David Lowry, who is the founder of Cracker, who will be playing at Ram's Head on stage for one show. It's a 1 p.m. show, so it's all ages, and it's a matinee show on September 18th. David, how are you? Uh, thank you. Um,
1: I'm good. I'm here at the University of Georgia and uh, actually sitting in my car in the parking deck since this is much quieter than the offices. So hopefully okay. that works for you. Okay, so what are, what are we doing at the University of Georgia? Um, I teach. I've been actually teaching the music business. This is my eleventh year. Oh my! Cool. Oh my word! That's that's awesome. Yeah, that is. I have al- a doctorate. Not that I ever demand that people call me doctor or anything like that, but I actually do, <laughs> kind of qualify to do this. So yeah.
0: Okay, now I got to qu- ask you a question. Which do you prefer better? Do you prefer teaching, or do you prefer uh, performing and and executing?
1: They're actually both kind of similar. Um, I was I was kind of surprised by. in in a way, like if you're teaching a class at a university, um, it's kind of all about having asses in the seats. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I know it's not exactly that way, but like I teach at the business college and I started out just um, they had a problem finding somebody to teach us a, a certain class here. And I started teaching it and it got, um, after a couple of years, it got really popular. So then I was sort of asked to become full-time and teach a couple other classes. So um, oddly, I thought I was kind of like finding a job that wasn't so much like the music business, but it is actually in a weird way like the music business.
0: What do you teach the students? I mean, is it are you teaching them on you know, how to manage themselves as a performer or?
1: I started teaching this class called Business Fundamentals as Applied to the Music Business. And I think it was a little bit like the dark, you know, defense of the dark arts at Hogwarts. You know, um, it had a, they had a teacher every different year. Um, it's sort of an odd class in that you're sort of teaching, it's in the business college, sort of teaching people like fundamentals of business, like things like accounting, Uh, strategy, economics, finance, risk management, all these things like that, all your typical topics from a business school, but you're applying it to the music business, so there's not really a textbook or anything, so it's a novel challenge. So I figured out a way to do it, and I really enjoyed it, and the class became popular, so much so that we have like two sections of it now, it's like 300 students. That's, Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of times it's business students who are just like, oh, I'll take this. I hear this is an elective for accounting, (laughs) (laughs) right? Sounds easy, right? But it's not actually and uh you know and so people are like oh that's cool and then you have a lot of people who are musicians or are in the music program and if they take this class and do well they can get the music business certificate so i have a lot of students doing that so it's a real mix it's like business students or musicians or sometimes they're both in a weird way it's like um It's kind of like maybe the money ball of the music business because I get to explain these interesting things like why are there paper tickets still? Why do we have paper tickets, you know? Why is it like an airline ticket, you know? Right. An airline, you know, you just show your... Well, I mean, I walk on the plane with just you know, doing the clear eyeball scan and then showing my phone. So uh,
0: so why, why are there whoa. paper tickets still?
1: Because a lot of people, a lot of insiders make a lot of money off of the selling them on the secondary market or they're mitigating their risk. Like if you put a show for sale and you let brokers come in and buy tickets in bulk... Um, at face value, that's a lot of tickets that you don't have to sell. So that's why you have all these weird things. I think the famous show was the LCD Sound System show a number of years ago where like all the tickets sold in like one minute. But then it turned out that really there wasn't very many tickets that were sold to the public. They were all mostly sold to brokers and insiders before the show really even went on sale. And because, uh, in a way, the concert promoter is offloading all their risk of selling those tickets. So, you see, Mike, okay. even down to the level of the, um, I mean, I'm sure Ramshead isn't selling directly to brokers, but you see, like, even at, like, a show at, like, Ram's Head, where you'll see quite a number of tickets um, get scooped up and then sold uh, at a markup on StubHub. Sure. You know, maybe for a show like ours, it might only be 15 or 20, but there's actually large organized groups, perfectly legal, who go and buy bulk tickets sort of with the idea that certain shares become really popular and you can make 10 times the face value on them.
0: There, there you go. Man, I'm getting my education in, uh, in yeah. music
1: business here. But
0: let, let's talk about the music music. I mean, you are the founder of Cracker, which has been around since 1990, which was sort of the, I wouldn't say successor of, but it was next in your step of career from Camper uh, von Beethoven. And you founded it with Johnny Hickman?
1: Yeah, I founded it with Johnny Hickman. And actually, Davey Farragher was somebody that we knew growing up in uh, Redlands, California. He's he's on the first two albums, but uh, he went off. He's kind of more of a side person. He went off to play with John Hyatt and then, of course, Elvis Costello. Right. You know he's in Elvis Costello and the Imposters because yep. it's the original band except with Davey Farragher on base. That's why it's the imposters. <laughs> <laughs> I did, not the I, attractions. It's I, because I, Davey Farragher's on base. He is the imposter. I did not right. know that. that that's so, funny. That's yeah, funny. actually, and I'm going to see him next month because he's playing in Atlanta. So, yeah. Is that, is that
0: where you're based now, Atlanta,
1: pretty much? I'm based in Athens, Georgia, mostly. Um, I still have a house in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Me and my wife kind of split our time between the two, but um, we're down here mostly.
0: Not a bad deal. Now, how did how did you and Johnny meet to form Cracker?
1: Uh, we knew each other f- since, like, 1979, I think. Oh, wow. um, we both auditioned for a sort of a cover event band that was starting to perform New Wave and punk rock. Uh, and uh, we sort of went, like, uh, you know, looking for something to do. We, we ultimately didn't... I don't know if that band ever formed or anything like that, but we kept each other's phone numbers and sort of kept in contact over the years and uh, played in a few other little side bands and stuff like that over the years. And then when Camper broke up, I got him to see if he wanted to form a new ensemble and it became Cracker. And
0: you've been going strong since 1990 and I, I, I probably arguably say your you know, top hits are low, Teen Angst and you're a trash girl um there's been many others actually i mean you've got what 13 12 13 albums something like that
1: (laughs) i mean there's i think officially there's like 10 original studio albums that aren't like compilations or greatest hits or b-sides or anything like that there's i believe 10 of those full albums so yeah right
0: well we, we obviously know what you were doing during covid as far as uh you know, make, make keeping the money rolling in. I mean, you're cashing the university checks, I guess. But is it great to get back on the road again now as a, as an artist?
1: Um, kind of. I mean, we're very we're doing very short runs of shows. Back in June, we did do almost two weeks, and and we did that in a really interesting. We basically took a bus and kept our own little bubble, and almost all those shows were outside. Uh, Just the probability is the longer you go on tour with the more people, the more likely that you will get an infection in your band that will require you to shut the whole tour down. So um, we've really only done really minimal touring. Like the shows coming up in Annapolis are basically three shows that we strung together over a weekend. Mm -hmm. And most of these actually were... Strung together with a city winery, New York City show. I think that was postponed from a year ago, (laughs) which would have been booked like almost a year before that. So you see, we're kind of picking up some pieces that were done two years ago. We haven't really fully committed to a real tour yet. I think a lot of artists uh, got ahead of themselves on this and are finding it's really hard to keep... Keep your band COVID free. Like the more people, the more shows. Yeah, I'm not. See, I'm not like a lot of artists. I think there's like not a huge risk of us playing on stage and playing to an audience that's largely masked and vaccinated and stuff like that. The problem is, it's just getting so many people on the road in your little traveling group, and then. It's it's like the airport shuttles or the plane flights or all that stuff that you're gonna get an infection in your van and then you have to take the whole thing off the road for a while. So until we can tolerate basically people getting an infection and where we're treating COVID more like a cold or something like that, or maybe a mild flu, until we're at that point, I don't really see like me going on the road for like you know we basically would go on the road for about four or five weeks every summer with Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker together like there's it's like twelve people on the road mixing with everybody everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, right? I, see, I see where you're, I see where you're coming from. But well, what can we expect from this little mini tour that we've got that's coming to the Ramshead on the eighteenth uh, of September?
1: Well, one thing is our pedal steel players out on a different tour so we brought um this guy rurik r-u-r-i-k it's a russian name i believe um playing fiddle with us on this tour so we don't always have a fiddle player with us so I, we were going to lean into the songs that had a little fiddle on them <laughs> as well as a few camper band beethoven songs so slightly different lineup so that's what we're doing trying to keep it fresh that way
0: well you've been doing it for 30 years. I mean, back in 90s, I mean, did you ever think that the that cracker would have the staying power that it does? I mean, it's it's funny. I was talking to my son who is you, you could say he's probably not your demographic, but he's 28 and uh, I said, "Oh yeah, no, I'm going to be talking to David Lowry, you know, with cracker tomorrow." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh my god, that's, that's so cool." And, uh, and and I mean he was able to rattle off some songs, which somewhat surprised me, uh, cuz a lot of times he rolls my you know, rolls his eyes when I talk about songs that you know that I, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I liked when i was younger but i mean did you see this st- having the staying power
1: back in the 90s um not necessarily i mean now we were all you know i'd come from camper van beethoven which was you know kind of had a very culty following i thought hoped we ha- and i thought that's what you did is maybe you played till you were about 40 and then you had to do another career and so i was going to be a writer well, you've been, do, you've been um, doing you been doing that's a, a little goofy yeah. but in in a way it tells the story of what you think you know so well
0: you got a birthday coming up in a couple of days too you're happy pre happy birthday
1: yes i will be so. 61 by the time i come to the the Ram's Head and Johnny will, it's no secret but Johnny will be 65 by the time we come to the Ram's Head <laughs> so um, it's it's kind of crazy but you know it does keep you young keeps you in good health generally if you don't like party all the time on the road and stuff like that it's a good physical exercise keeps your brain fresh you know and oh I was going to say this about your son maybe knowing the band uh, is what what other kind of stuff does he like is he maybe more in he's gym? He's
0: big, he's big in EDM, uh, you, EDM. Know the, you know oh, okay. the, the the tech and everything everything else, and that, that's why I was surprised. I mean, we used to go yeah, to. Yeah, that's
1: why I have no idea why you know us, but um, but some we we've developed a you know pretty strong following among sort of in the Americana world and the jam band kind of world mm-hmm. to a certain extent with Cracker, and that tends both of those tend to skew young. Uh, younger than what you know, a normal alternative rock band's audience would be at this age, right? Well, I, I,
0: I like I like to think that I taught my kids to have a, an appreciation, whether you like it or not, just an appreciation of different types of music. Because I, I used to go to the uh, Warp Festival with them, and they were always mm-hmm. like, "What the hell are you doing here, Dad?" And I'm like, you know, you'd hear yeah. a screamo band, and I'd be like, yeah. you know, <laughs> "I don't like it.
1: Yeah. I'm not buying, I'm not yeah. going out
0: to buy the CD. I, you know, I but uh-huh. I appreciate." You know the artistry and the work that goes behind it, but it's uh, it's yeah. it's kind of funny there. And you know, I tell you one thing that I love about you personally, I guess, and is is that the way that you took on sort of the industry with uh, you know Spotify and Napster, as far as mm-hmm. the way you know the streaming. And I mean, personally for me, nothing beats live music. And uh-huh. if if I need to beat live music, it's going to be with vinyl. Not, you know, not CD. I mean, you can keep the eight tracks and the cassettes, but that's, uh, you know, vinyl and live, but live music, there's something about it that you you just can't replicate. And, you know, you, sort of led the charge on some I guess they were class action suits or settlements or whatever it was for royalties uh, they
1: were class action lawsuits and they were not necessarily for low royalties although we can we can talk about that it's a more complicated argument it was actually for just the absence of royalties being properly paid which um, specifically song I had a class action on behalf of songwriters because Uh, Basically, a lot of independent songwriters, that is. Um, Look, uh, record label sign performers. Companies called publishers sign songwriters. Um, And you can be a performer and a songwriter, but a publisher looks after the songwriter rights. A lot of songwriters do not sign deals with publishers. They just keep their own catalogs and self-administer and keep control of all the copyrights. It's actually... It's actually it's kind of the way to kind of get more wealthy in the business. Like, for instance, uh, performers who also kept their own songwriting copyrights generally are the ones who live in castles, you know. Right, right. <laughs> the Pete Townsend's, the Sting's, the uh, members of Led Zeppelin. So it's not necessarily small songwriters that keep their own publishing but a lot of small songwriters do keep their songwriter rights and it was actually those self-administered songwriters that self-published songwriters as they call them that were not paid and this included everybody from like you know Bob Dylan and Tom Petty down to the independent songwriters like myself so the class action was on behalf of those writers we weren't getting our What's called a streaming mechanical royalty from the streaming companies. Right, we weren't getting all of them, and it, it was. I did a lot of research on it. Figured out there was a class, and basically got a contingency a law firm to file on a contingency, no fee, contingency class basis, and that's how that. That worked, right? Uh, it turned out that basically all the streaming services were doing that, but I had the clearest records on, uh, basically on Rhapsody and, and uh, Spotify.
0: Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, do you have a particular song that you love to play live? I mean, I'm not going to ask you like what your favorite song is that you get in, in your catalog, but I mean, is there one that's particularly a favor- enjoyable to you as a musician playing on stage?
1: It varies. I mean, lately, uh, I feel like uh, I feel like King of Bakersfield. has been a lot of fun to play because of the kind of the solos we get to throw into that. And uh, pedal steel player definitely takes like a very odd approach to that song. It's good, right? I, I enjoy that, and it's also a very tricky groove to play cuz there's actually kind of two different shuffles in it it's it's tricky
0: <laughs> yeah cracker will be at ram's head on stage september 18th at 1pm are you guys bussing up
1: um we'll, we'll be driving up actually um in our little bubble but uh we'll be driving up in a van we won't be using the bus but uh we have so few shows and we're actually we're actually staying at the same hotel in uh, delaware um, for all three of our shows. <laughs> ah, okay. That's <well. laughs> what we're doing because they're all early shows, so we just drive after the show back to our hotel.
0: Well, it it, it makes sense. RamsHeadOnStage.com is where you want to go for tickets. There are still a few left. Not a lot, but there are a few left. You want to learn more about Cracker, you want to go to Cracker S-O-U-L dot com and uh, learn all about David Lowry and uh, Johnny Hickman and what they've been doing for... What's it? 90, man, I don't even want to think. Now in forty years, forty years is that right?
1: 90? Well, Ninety. Well, 30 years. Thirty yeah. years. Okay, that
0: yeah. Unbelievable career, and I can't wait to see you here on Saturday the eighteenth, which is in gosh another two weeks or so, and really very cool to, under, to learn about your uh, your I'll say other alter ego there down at um, in Georgia teaching uh, music business. That's fantastic. Yeah, right. But, uh, David, thank you very much. We will see you on the eighteenth at Ramset on stage.
1: Thank you very much. All right.
0: This has been a bonus podcast from I on Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at ionannapolis. Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered
1: to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.